There is an awesome presence of the Holy Ghost here. And I thank God for His wonderful spirit, His wonderful anointing that I feel in this service. You stand with me, we'll read a verse of Scripture, and then very quickly have you seated, and we'll continue from that point. Have your Bibles turn with us to the writings of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 38. And then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonah, Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And very quickly to the writings of Romans. Uh, I believe it's the eighth chapter. Let me try to find it right quick. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. And whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we then say to these things, if God be for us? Who can be against us? One final scripture in the writings of a familiar story in the Old Testament, in the book of Jonah. Chapter 2, verse 8. This is my subject. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Let me repeat it. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. You may be seated. And if I may, I'd like to go back to the writings of Romans very briefly as an introduction tonight. In the mystery of God, we simply know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate in the minds of a lot of folk the foreknowledge of God and the predestination of the scripture has been so misconstrued that we are afraid to even brush up against the wisdom and the knowledge of this God in whom we have so much at stake with but I want to introduce you tonight to the very fact that we have learned that all things work together. It doesn't seem like they should, but this God with whom we have to do is so contrasting to what we are 
because he calleth those things are not as though they were, he is completely, completely comfortable with nothing. Knowing that at his very fingertips is the ability at will to change and to transform and to make new. The Christ that I speak about orchestrated in the presence of men the ability that was so intrinsic and resident within himself that at will he could call the dead back to life and he did so on a few occasions just to further uh, explain to us and accent the fact that I am truly the God of all possibilities. Now in this study of the foreknowledge of God, simply, He did foreknow. Because He's the Alpha and the Omega. Everything in between, God fully understands. And the statement is made that God would re receive, when receiving tithe from Abraham, it would also be that Levi was paying tithe through his father's loins. And God was fully aware that Levi was coming. And to explain things to Abraham, as far as the future of Israel was concerned, he said, before, you, uh, before things uh, transpire, I want you to know that there's a lot going to happen. There's 400 plus years that's going to transpire in Egypt. There's a lot of things coming. But you just rest assured it's going to work out all right. If you're concerned about the church tonight, she's on her way. I said she's on her way. There is a course and a direction. And this God that did foreknow, He did predestinate. Is this to say that God is a respecter of persons? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Please understand what I'm about to say. And some of the remarks I'll make tonight can easily be picked apart. And if that is your choice, do so. But I want you to know that I am fully convinced that God is the creator of all things. But once everything come into play in the family of man, then man and woman choose and they make choices as to the offspring of their own house. And so much that is to come in the next generation, amen, it is not necessarily what God is designed, but man is taking their own course of life. Hallelujah. The brown eyes, the blue eyes, the blackhead, or the brown, the brunette, whatever the size of men. I happen to be six foot tall, 218 pounds. My dad was a little over six foot tall, weighed about the same weight. It's just not an accident. And God, in His wisdom, before I ever met up with Joyce Porter as a kid going from church to church, and at 13 years of age, settling it in my mind, and said, someday, when it comes time to get married, I'll marry Joyce Porter. I never dated another girl. I only went with her. I decided, this is it. 
it's, it's determined. And in the foreknowledge of God, before I was ever born, before my daddy was ever born, God knew that something would click in me and say, Joyce Porter is going to be Wayne McLean's wife at that given day. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And so he did predestinate. He is aware the predestination is the church. It is not that there is not a free will. It's not that there's not a choice. It's not that men don't have opportunity. But you hear me tonight. And I believe I can prove by the scripture that there is some things that come to play in God's relationship with men. When God spoke to the heathen, Abram, or Abraham, he did so because he wanted to be his friend. And yes, in the foreknowledge of God, he knew there would be a response. But he did not just necessarily speak to Abraham uh, with the idea he's going to respond. He's not going to respond. God's not a respecter of persons. But he knew that Abraham would prove to be a man after his heart. If you'll stay with me, I'll preach a little bit. Now somebody said, if I just had the faith of Abraham. But don't you ever forget it, friend. Between 75 and 99, he had a downtime. He fell into the natural uh, flows of nature. When his wife would talk him into uh, marrying his uh, concubine. And saying, well the only way that we can produce a son and keep the promise of God. Is that you're going to have to marry Hagar. And she's the promised one. And everything's going to be alright. God said, I want you to know now. I, I want you to know. I, Ishmael is going to be a mighty nation. Twelve sons are coming from him. But I want you to know. Abraham I never approved of it I never accepted it and I want you to know the promised child is coming out of you hallelujah God wanted Abraham to know that I can take care of you when you can't take care of yourself God wanted Sarah to know that when she couldn't he could and I want you to know tonight, this is not my church or your church or your problem or my problem. It's his problem. Hallelujah. He's the surgeon and we're going to let him operate. Hallelujah. And so it was with Isaac. And so it was with Jacob and Esau. And later Paul would look back in retrospect and say... Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Why did God hate Esau? That seems so prejudiced. And this is this would seem to fall into some of the uh, uh, some of the discussions of modern theology that there is a certain preference of God. Not so because God hated Esau because he couldn't repent. He had every opportunity to repent. He was not in all probability the man that Jacob was because the scripture said that he was a sinner and a supplanter he was a conniver I'm telling you Jacob would take advantage of you but when you nail him to the wall he'll fall down and repent Esau couldn't do that I'm telling you tonight church God didn't mind taking people in the rough 
I said, he doesn't mind taking people in the rough if there's something inside that he can build on. Hallelujah. And so Esau is no longer listened, listed among the name of the children of faith. Moses had a choice. Schooled in the house of Pharaoh. Reared in the midst of splendor. Forty years of age, there is a murder and there is a rejection. And then he goes to the backside of nowhere and there's another forty years. But God is saying, I'm telling you, son, it's going to take me 80 years to get you ready. But I'm going to work on you. I like you. And the reason I like you is there's something in you that is moldable and it's pliable. I'm telling you, church, the potter at the potter's will simply after a time of exasperation molds that clay that's almost a vessel and said it's not what I want it to be there's something missing and he starts plying again with his fingers that soft clay and the Bible said he makes it again another vessel and as long as there's any possibility of you being what God wants you to be he's going to work on you Hallelujah. Hear me to church. Hear me church. Hear me. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Hallelujah. When God chose Moses, uh, Joseph, pardon me. When he chose Joseph, he chose him in the rough. He chose him as a kid. He chose him as a dreamer. At 17 years of age, he's on his way to prison. Amen. So he had to dream young. And he was arrogant in his dreams. He had his attitudes. But God said, there is a quality in him that when I bring him out of the fire, he will be more than able to handle the position that will be the salvation of the children of Israel in the midst of a time of famine. And you hear me tonight? God is in the business of making men. He is in the business of making first class A number one saints. He's in the business of, pre of perfecting pastors and pastors' wives. What? Hallelujah. You say, Brother McLean, I've had it. No, you hadn't had it yet. You just thought you've had it. He's just now getting ready to start surgery. All you've been feeling the effects of is the anesthesia. But I'm telling you, the, surgery's got the, the surgeon's got his scalpel, and he's about ready to work on you. You said, I've had all the problems I can stand. I understand. You're going to trip out, but God's going to keep working on us. And let me reiterate tonight. It's not what's outside these walls that is the concern of God. It's what's inside these walls. He told the brethren at his ascension that you are to begin it in Jerusalem. 
repentance and baptism. Baptism will be in Jerusalem. And I want you to know, you're to go there and stay there and tarry until. And tarry until. There has got to be. This is, a, this is an emergency moment. There has got to be an apostolic stirring. It cannot be by a preacher. It cannot be a sermon. But it's got to be the invisible working of the Spirit. Where you feel the grips of the Holy Ghost shaking you in the privacy of your devotion. In the early hour mornings of prayer. At midnight, a compelling driving force that says I have my hand upon your life. And when I get through with you, you will meet the purpose and the plan that I saw in you before you were ever born. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And if we're not careful, we'll miss our point. We'll find a, an off, we'll find a course in the wrong direction. But I'm telling you tonight, God has a plan for the church. Proverbs 28, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Hallelujah. Whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. First John, a familiar verse to all of us, 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness I want to get off of the subject just briefly and I know it's not the protocol maybe to use yourself but you see it's rather ironic that what I'm preaching about really relates to me because if there's anything that I have done of late over and over repeatedly I have got on the floor and I've closed my closet door and I've asked him to take his scalpel out and cut me apart there is I want you to give me the right kind of love for you hallelujah it's good to come to church and somebody lead us in worship but it, it, that's, that's not the way I'm sorry I know there's got to be worship leaders I know there's got to be song services I understand that but I'm telling you there's a depth in the spirit where worship emanates out of us like an, an artesian well it is that river of living water springing up unto everlasting life in some way somehow almighty God get us out of the have to's into the want to's If I cross your theology, forgive me. But you hear me, church? We ought to have to come to the crossroads, and it's not going to be compelling and mandating to the saints. You've got to go to church. If they've got to go, you're not going to have a revival. If they have to pay their tithes, you're not going to have a revival. If they can't have enough spiritual tenacity to know that television's wrong, and the displays of video is wrong you're not going to have a revival preaching against it hallelujah 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 
Thank you. You may be seated. Now listen to me. I'm not here not to just go down and, and, and pick on the pet things. And even though these are things that we love and cherish. But you hear me. The holiness outwardly that we all agree on has got to be, and it's already been said, but I must repeat it. It's in my spirit. There has to be a, there has to be a commensurate relationship inside of us. Or I am a bald-faced hypocrite. Hallelujah. You hear me? If you don't, if you have a busy day and I have them and the devil knows how to manipulate me, he, he knows how to just pull my string. But oh, when I rush back in and I get in there and I say, Jesus, he did it again. And I'm so sorry. But if you'll stay still, I'm not going to make one request tonight. I'm not going to ask for one thing. You know what I'm going to do, Jesus? I want you to forgive me for getting my priorities mixed up. I want you to forgive me for taking care of things that we think have to be taken care of. They're not really all that important. But if you'll just let me hold you. No, I don't want you to hold me. I want to hold you. And I don't want to hold you because I need to. Does this make sense? I don't want to love you because it's, I, I'm supposed to. I understand that Brother Howard gets up and prays and he's a prayer warrior. And, and since he does, I do it. It doesn't work that way. And if the only reason you're here is because mom and daddy come, you're in trouble. If the only reason that you're in this church is because grandpa loves God, you're in trouble. You're going to have to love him because you've discovered him. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That's right. You hear me? Yes, there's got to be a standard of holiness. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. But it's not a matter of just ministry. It's relationship. Oh. Oh. You know the fruit, the tree by the fruit. And when you look at that apple, you know where it comes from. It's relationship. I love him. I love him. I love my wife enough that I apologize on a regular basis. I'm sorry I didn't call. Well, why didn't you call? I'm sorry. I got busy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You say, well, you, you're kind of henpecked. I love it. I love it. My son-in-law, my, my newest son-in-law, Kelly Patrick's here, and my nephew, Darren Shelton's here, and, and the TBC president flew up to make sure they were here. Brother <laughs> Enzi, and I showed Kelly some of those little notes. I don't know when she does it, because I always get my clothes together, and that way if I don't put everything in there, I'm to blame. But all through my clothes, these little notes. 
she is in uh, Wichita, Kansas at the ladies uh, meet out there but she had time to write all these little notes I'm missing you I'm praying for you and uh, and I hope you preach good I'm gonna be praying oh it makes you feel good what about the spirit of well I, if I can shout at church that's good I want to tell you something if you want to measure your shout measure it by your home experience or rather measure it when brother Howard's not at the church and there's nobody here but the caretaker and you get in one of those Sunday school rooms and you cut a rug and when you finish nobody knows you did it but the caretaker hallelujah you hear me and I I done the same thing we all do I prayed today and you did too but let me tell every one of you evangelists this if your prayer life is predicated on your getting a sermon you're a cheap excuse you're gonna have to love him you say, but I, I get sick of trouble. I get sick of being all the problems of a pastor's wife and a preacher. Let me ask you this. If they didn't love him, why should they love you? If he had trouble with everybody, why shouldn't we have trouble with them? He said, they didn't love me. And, and you're going to be hated for my name's sake. Why don't we read the book? I'm telling you, we are in a spiritual battle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm about ready to start. The psalmist said it like this in 31.6. I have hated them that regard lying vanities. I've hated them. I've hated them. I've hated them. I've hated them. Hallelujah. Now, let me go on to the subject that I introduced tonight. Concerning lying vanities. In the writings of Matthew 12, the sign of Jonah was given as to the time frame that Jesus would spend in the, the tomb. There is two very definite points of thought concerning the death of Jonah. One is not a popular view, and that is that Jonah actually died. It's not a popular view but the scripture insinuates a lot I am not going to say yes or no to this but I want to introduce you tonight to the attitude of a man that God chose to be a prophet God would have never chose that man if he had not submitted to the call and if you don't recognize you're called, then God is going to leave it up to you. But once you say, all right, God's, you, God's stirring me, then there is a responsibility with that acceptance. And I'm telling you tonight, this church has admitted we're the church. We've got the message. But listen to me. We have the message. But I have been pounding into these young men in our church. And, 
The reason Doug said what he did tonight, that he was from Wayne McLean's church, he's been spending most of his ministry evangelizing out in California. Real good friends of Brother Price, and he's found a beautiful young lady out there he plans to marry. And he stood up the other night and said, I'm from California. And I looked at him and I said, you're a liar. <laughs> he straightened it out. Well, he is from California, but he's from Texas too. Hallelujah. But I'm telling these young men, I want them to know that the thing that's got to happen, there has got to be a restoration of apostolic revival. And I, I believe I can say, and I believe that these other men that have spoke would say the same thing with me. If you think the honor, and please, Brother Howard, don't take offense to this. If you think the high honor of being a preacher is preaching one night at the art meeting in Tulsa, you're wrong. I am so sick. I am so sick of preaching a sermon. And a few people saying, that's good. Oh, that's great. And we go home. And in a week's time, we're back in our old rut. And we hadn't changed. You ever feel that, Brother Booker? You ever feel that, Brother White? How many times have you preached that way, Brother Howard? And it's almost like wasted motion. And I've prayed and I've said, oh, God, if it's not me, let it be a younger man. And somewhere, put the anointing of the Holy Ghost on the apostolic church. That we don't come and just hear a sermon. But heaven walks in and the Spirit transforms us to a deeper dimension of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Now in the original, lying vanities was in relationship to idolatry and idolatrous worship. I want to forget that. They that observe lying vanities do it to their own hurt in forsaking their own mercy. And I'm telling you where mercy and truth is. That's in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But as sure as you sit there tonight, your biggest battle is not. No, this group of people, I can get on the candy stick hole in this message, and you can buy that. No, the problem with us, we've got our minds made up. We, we like this. We're sticking together. This is not a movement to fight anybody. It's a movement to lift up and encourage and have apostolic revival. This is not a negative movement. It's a movement of pure purpose. But you hear me tonight. There is something stirring in our hearts that says, Almighty God, let us go beyond where we're at and find ourselves. And lying vanities are that we're worried about and the men are pressing me on the church. I have not been a wise steward. I'm ashamed of it, but I hadn't. I, they said, my men in the church board said, you gotta, you got to think about yourself. You're 57 years old. We're gonna, we're gonna, if you don't do it, we're, we don't want to take the money. And You're the pastor. You make the choice. And, uh, but if you don't do it, we're going to just, well, we're going to say you've got to take some money and put it into retirement. I said, okay. Brother Westberg, they don't understand. They really don't. They're good people and they love me. They don't understand. Because we're so worried about what's going to happen to Social Security. 
We're worried about whether Mr. Clinton's going to be president another time or not. We're concerned about the government. We're concerned about the sicknesses and the problems that we've got. And we get so caught up in lying vanities. And we observe them. And we, we've got this crisis in our home. And this problem in our church. And this problem and that problem. A young man knocked on my door just before I come up here. And he's having some marital problems. And he started relaying them. And the problem between himself and his wife. And I looked at him and I called him by his name. I said, have you really intimately talked to God about this? When is the last time that you asked God, Lord Jesus, would you give me a love for my little wife like I've never had? I want an intimacy toward her. I want a bond and a closeness. I want a love. He said, I never thought of it. I said, there's your problem. We're caught up in lying vanities. We're going to try to psychoanalyze. I'm going to try to be smarter than you are. I'm going to figure this world out. I'm going to financially figure how to get on top. We try to add it up and subtract. And I'm telling you, God can do more in five minutes than I can do in 20 years. I'm telling you, I know God doesn't need me. I need Him. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And so it was that day God said to Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. Oh. He said, I won't go. I've got plans. We've got problems in our churches. I've got problems. I've got good people and we've got problems with them. There's good people here and we've got problems with them. We're in an age, if we're planning a vacation, I'm sorry. I'll be back in a few days. The burden of the church is no, pred- no longer predicated on what thus saith the Holy Ghost, but it's what does our calendar say. We are reaching a place. Brother Pastor, you know I support the church. I put $5,000 in tithes last year. Gave the missions. I support the That's right. But we are believing lying vanities. And we're not willing to let the Holy Ghost decide when we go and where we go. Oh, hallelujah. About 30 years ago, we were evangelizing. And during the Christmas break, when things are bad and tough... Uh, Brother Kilgore asked us to come by and preach at night. You know, he felt sorry for us, and I thank God for his compassion. But you know what happened? Revival broke out. And I watched that church rally during a time when they would rather be home with turkey and dressing and kids. And I watched that church rally, and it wasn't a young preacher. God help us. I look back and I think, oh Lord, how you can do things. But you know what? He would take our inexperience and our lack of able and he would just fill people with the Holy Ghost and it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. But those people were pulling more God, more God, more God. And I'm telling you, church, we have chased our dreams. We're concerned. I hope I'm not meddling too much. There was a time that we couldn't get a necktie on a man in church. I remember when I was a kid, they preached against neckties at, at fellowship meetings. 
anything that you could preach against that preach against it now we've come across the tracks we've got beautiful edifices we've got good jobs we're educated we've got every type of degrees sitting in our churches we are we have come across the tracks and we look good and I don't think there's nothing wrong with that and oh I like it it looks great but you know there's more emphasis put on whether it's straight or not and you'll you take an after extra 15 minutes to get the tie straight or the little poof just right and I like poofs I don't see anything wrong with it there's a lot of things some guys say I don't like it doesn't really bother me that's no problem but I tell you what I don't like you spend an hour getting ready to go show yourself and you haven't spoke to Jesus all week you are chasing lying vanities and you've got some spiritual problems All right, I got to hurry. I thank you for your response. Sit down. Let, hear me, church. The crisis has come in the church. Talent is eating us up. We've got talent. We can sing like mockingbirds, and that's no reflection on you wonderful people over here to my right. But because we've got talent, who can sing like me? Or who can play like me? I do not have to have the spirit to play the piano or sing behind this podium. I can sing on key. I, I know, I know when the true crescendo has been reached. I know when everybody's on key, but you're chasing lying vanities because that won't get the job done in the true church. It'll work in the church down the street, but it won't work in the apostolic movement. It's got to be spirit inspired. Thank you. Be seated. You see, Brother Fuller, let me have a little help here. I want to go back to my wife again. But you want to know my measure of relationship with God, whom I cannot see, is based on what is my relationship with a wife of 37 years that I see on a regular basis that have disagreements. Some of you haven't had none, huh? And can I love in the midst of them? Hello. 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 Praise God. I'm telling you, we're going to have to have a baptism of love of each other. You see, my wife's got a lot of hang-ups. Maybe the husband's hang-ups is bothering her with her few hang-ups. And there's going to have to be a lot of giving and taking and falling back in love with each other. By this, you men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And we're going to have to love each other. You want to know? You may be seated. You want to know why there's a lot of disagreements and arguments among the ministry, among the saints, and among the laity? I'll tell you why. You see, it's the devil. No, it's the devil that God allows to come. He says, it's fine if you come by Brother Shadwell's church. I want him to see that they are not as spiritual as they think they are. They get this in their heart and they can't handle it. Or they comes to Wayne McLean's and I have it. Or it comes to Brother Howard's. And people that you thought could just, well, that's like water on the duck's back. No, it soaks in. Because we're chasing lying vanities. We're not placing, we're not getting our priorities in their right place. Oh. And I know I'm using personal reference. But a few weeks ago we preached, it was worn out. You know how it is on Sunday night. And about two o'clock in the morning I was wide awake. I was wore out to a frazzle. And I went to the restroom and got up. Like a voice said. Now, you're really preaching big. 
but can you match it? And I, I said, I'll try. And I went into my secret place. I got a closet, get, you know, it's just right. I have to angle across it to get in there. I shut the door. And I said, Jesus, I'm, 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 I'm probably the biggest failure. I'm probably one of the biggest hypocrites. Because my character is not near what it needs to be. I've got so many flaws. My wife has been so sweet to put up with me. But I just want to thank you. I apologize for being tired. But if you want to wake me up at two, it's a privilege. And I'm not going to say what, how, what all went on and what I said. And how long is there? That's, no, that's neither here nor there. But when I finally got out of there, he'd been squeezing on me. And about the time he'd squeezed me, I said, I know I can't squeeze like you squeeze. But it's like, there is absolutely no difference in the church with God and a father and a child. Child can't, cannot send back what he gets. But I got my little squeeze. I said, I want you to know I love you. I love you in spite of my failures. I love you in spite of my driftings off in carnality. But now, God, I want you to do what only you can do. And I'm saying it again. Cut me open. Put in me the heart of flesh. Take out the stones. Transform me. Make me what I've got to be. I've got to be saved. But that's not all. That's selfish. Hold on, hold on. I want to preach. Hear me. No, it's not just a matter of you being saved. You've got to be in a personal spiritual fitness class in order to be used. Hallelujah. And what we call a trial of the devil is the making of the man. God knew I've got a job for Joseph, but it'll take 13 years to get him out of boot camp. About the time he thinks he can handle it, God checks him out a little bit. Now he can't handle it yet. Joseph, I know you don't understand it, but the only way I can make you what I've got to have, I've got to have a man that's got steel in his bones. I've got to have a man that's got wisdom and insight. And he's got to be in sync with the Spirit. And the only way I can get you there is just as they preach today. It's going to have to hurt to get you there. But because I know the fiber of your inner being, you'll take it. And the man that said, I'll tell the king as soon as I get out of here, forgot two years and come and finally told. 30-year-old man walks out. He's bleached with prison. His skin is extra white. That beauty of the sun is gone. But God said, you're ready. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready, Joseph, you're ready. Hallelujah. But they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Joseph, you thought that woman was your problem. My God help us. And I know this is a mixed audience, but let me be just as blunt and plain as I can. Somebody said, I don't understand that woman doing all she did. You will know the reason that Joseph run, he had to run. 
He was a grown, healthy man. And she was so sensual and so beautiful. He had to run for his life. And I'm going to tell you something. You say, well, I, I just think I can handle temptation. There'll be times in your spiritual walk, if you don't run for your life, you'll fall. And the more you're harassed and the greater it gets and the harder it gets and the devil keeps on. But remember this, when it was all over, Joseph told his brethren, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God was making me what I had to be. I wasn't what I thought. I didn't have what I thought I had. Hallelujah. And they that observe lying vanities... They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But those prisoners, year in and year out, hear Joseph, Jehovah, I don't understand, but I love you. I don't know why I'm not having a revival. I'm no, I don't know why things are not going like they need to be, but I love you. But God said you don't understand it. But it's almost like a father that tells his boy, next year, son, next year. Because next year you're going to be six foot tall. And then I can talk some things with you. And next year, son, when you're a little more stable, I can talk a little more. I'm getting you ready for the field. Am I off course to preach like this? Hear me, church. If there was an apostolic ministry in the book of Acts, I believe at the final moments of the church, there will be a restoration. And I, I'm not making any uh, disagreement with anything that's been said, but I firmly believe that God Almighty is going to bring about a restoration of apostolic ministry. I believe that functioning and flowing through our churches will be a systematic miracle of the Spirit. I believe that there will be anointing on young men who are just now feeling the call to preach that will drip from them with the unction of Almighty God. But you're not going to get there simply by following and observing lying vanities and forsaking your mercy. But you're going to go back to the mercy seat and you're going to sit at the feet of the king and say, Jesus, I know where my strength comes from. You're my help. You're my strength. You're my life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So Jonah, I know time's gone and I hadn't gotten near to my point. Jonah said, I'm not going. We've reached a place in Pentecost. The audacity, Brother Howard. You're calling an all-night prayer meeting without letting us have a month's time to know about it. Now you know I love to pray. I'm telling you, I may meddle with preachers, but I'm sick of it. I am sick. You can't have a revival in November, it's deer season. I'm sick. You can't have a revival the last of November, it's Thanksgiving. I'm sick. You can't have a revival in the middle of Christmas. It's Christmas season. And the family's coming from miles. And God knows it's better to feed them turkey and dressing than to teach them a Bible study about heaven and the dangers of going to hell. 
And then it's every occasion of the year. And dear God, we're struggling to find, when can I have a revival? I've got two weeks here and a week here. And is it all right with everybody? Hey, all you the faithful saints that do come on occasion, is it all right? I'm telling you. We've been observing some idols. And our job has got to be an idol. I'm off course, I know, a little bit to some of you. But our jobs have got to be an idol. And we call the job a blessing because you make an extra 10000 a year with overtime. But I'm telling you, it's your curse. And you're igno- ignoring what you ought to look at. And that's the mercies of God. And you think because you can put a fat check in the church and come and go spiritually dried up that you're blessing the church. It's not all in money. We need a prayer warrior. We need somebody searching out for Jesus. Hallelujah. Sit down. Sit down. Hey, I love you beautiful hairdos, ladies. I love you good-looking men with good, clean haircuts. And we're proud to represent the church. But we are so arrogant in what we are. I'm telling you, we're going to have to move into another dimension in the spirit. If you're driving through the metro area of Tulsa, driving these freeways or wherever, take advantage of the morning and drive those freeways. If some can simply turn the radios up and listen to the jive of music, we can turn up Jesus and drive the streets weeping. Hallelujah. Jonah said, I'm not going. But I'll tell you what I will do. I'll buy a ticket ticket to Joppa. I'm going to Tarshish. I will not, I will not go to Nineveh. But you remember this. When you made a commitment to God, you're in His hands. And if He knows... It's in you to get it out of you. He's going to get it out of you. And you want to know why we're having some of the problems in the church? Pastor, I'm going to be as honest as I can be. Because you have been doing good. Few people pray through. So the best way to get to you, God knows you're basically honest. And the way to get to you is let it get in an uproar. And then you're going to fall on your face. God said, I'm telling you, I said Nineveh. No, yes, no. All right. We'll see. Man, church is doing good. We had 20 get the Holy Ghost. Broke our record. Things are going good. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger. Add an extra room on the house and do a few things and fix up. That's all right as long as you don't love it. But if love ever gets in there and you start loving it, you're in trouble. It doesn't matter how long your car is as long as you don't love it. But you better not love it. He'll cram that thing down your throat. You hear me? Jonah! Don't you know? Yes, I know. But I've got plans. And right now, I don't have time for God. I wanna, now listen to me. 
Some of you thought, I'll come dark. I'm going to get stirred up. Things are going to happen. It's going to be good. It's going to be wonderful. And then I'll go back home. I say, I've done it. Boy, they really stirred me. But God's after us. He's after the church. You want to know what I felt today? And I said it in my opening remarks. And I meant it. I was not playing with words. You men cut into my spirit. And I thank you because I know God is saying, Wayne McLean, you are not fit for what I've got to have. And I've got to do surgery on you to get you ready for the next step. And I'm telling you, because there's a lot coming. There is a fight. There's a revival. There is drug addicts. There is people out of the depths of iniquity. There is an awesome revival and you're not spiritually able to handle it. So I've got to cut away at you. And them that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. You forget God's grace. And how many days have you drove your car through the streets of the city? And you sweet little ladies, I, I'm not picking on you, I'm just being honest. And you had a hundred dollar bill and you were so happy. I can give my wife a hundred dollar bill and you think she's died and gone to heaven. She can take it and stretch it out. Sister Martin, you know what I'm talking about. And just look and buy and ooh and ah. And the best I can do is sit in the mall in a chair and go to sleep. there's a call coming I'm calling you come on come on it's another dimension there's something else there is a spiritual tuning in I don't know if you got any of this in you but I tell you what this hindsight stuff is eating me up everywhere I turn I hear somebody else made a mistake a preacher fell and good friends fall Brother Smith, I get on my face. God, let me tell you, I've been on some little spiritual trips. And I don't want to be an egotist, but I got up there and I thought I was doing pretty good. And then I didn't pick up one ounce of nothing on that man. You say, what are you talking about? If I'd have been spiritually sensitive, I could have got on my face and crawled. The few times, the few times that he has told me, and I made a phone call at the right time, they've wept on the other end and said, thank you. But can I brag about the few I've called? I can think of those I can't. I don't have enough fingers. I hear it at conference. I hear it through the grapevine. Somebody, a pastor's wife, a preacher, somebody. Oh no, I'm so stinking spiritually carnal that I chase lying vanities and I observe them and I'm living my vain life and I forget get the mercy of God I can sleep good because I'm justified not by myself but by him my sins are gone because of him but I'm not there right at the gates of heaven saying thank you thank you thank you talk to me Jesus talk to me Jesus wake me up stir me what are you going to do Jonah I'm not going and so you know the story I'll hurry and he went on his way to Tarshish. But that conjunction tells the story. The Lord sent out a great wind. And he caught those mariners in the midst of a storm. And you want to know, and please understand this. A lot of the problems in our churches are because God is saying it's time to move up. 
fall in love with each other. Forgive. Have mercy. Have mercy. Love people. Do the will of God. And they cried unto their gods. They'd done their best. But Jonah did this just the opposite. When the mariners are praying, the Bible said in verse 5, he went down and went fast asleep. I don't know why that I get sleepy like I do. But McDonald, I don't need to be up here preaching. I need to be down here. I really don't. Because I go to sleep so many nights. And I wake up after the fact. We just lost one of the finest little families. Brother Smith, you know about them. I worked with them. I knew something was wrong. But the devil convinced me I had it solved. And I talked with them in my office. And we're going to do better. But the bad report is they're gone. And tonight there's a divorce pending in the courts. Two of the little children are still in her school. And I hugged that little girl up. She's so pretty. I said, honey, I miss you. And she looked up at me just this week. I said, I miss you. And you said, are you taking it personal? You better believe I am. If I hadn't been chasing and observing lying vanities, I could have prayed more. You said, you're going to cause yourself to have a nervous breakdown. Not in the arms of Jesus, I'm not. I'm telling you, we're trying to find ourselves a little place to pacify the storm. But the devil knows he doesn't have a lot of time. And it's going to take warriors for the fight. He didn't say there wouldn't be a fight. But he said the gates of hell shall not prevail. That tells me there's a war at hell's gates. That tells me there's a battle right at the gates of hell. And we're going to fight. It's the magicians and Moses. And who has the greatest power? And Moses barely had more than them. You want to know why? It's because God made the devil. And the devil is second to God. He is elevated in a position of authority and power. And he knew it. And he still knows it. And he knows that if people don't trust God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, he can strip them of everything they are. And if you ever get off on a dream trip, you're out. You're out. You did run well. But what hindered you? And he went to sleep. And so I've slept. And you've slept. I I don't... Misread it if you will. But I am so amazed that mercy has kept me in spite of me. Oh, mercy kept me. Mercy kept me. You know, Jonah... Just loving the sleep, out, rubbing the sleep out of his eyes, and he hears the howling wind, and he's almost thrown over. He said, "Oh my God, he's found me." You better believe he's going to find us. 
You better believe he's going to find the church. If you want a little lackadaisical, lukewarm, Laodicean church for the 90s, you're wrong. The church is going to go through the fire. It's going to go through the testing. And there's going to be a proven church come out of here. There's going to be people that will love to prostrate themselves on their face weeping for a lost dying world because they're going to hell and they're going there quick. There is a stir that's got to come to the church. It has to come. They cast lots and it fell on Jonah. Then comes that indictment. What's your occupation? He said, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. That was a lie. He was convinced that he feared God. He honestly was convinced that he feared God. I love you, Jesus. And I checked my life and I looked back and I hadn't really prayed in the last few days. I've been busy. Hadn't been doing wrong, but hadn't been doing right. But the devil knows when you're not doing wrong and you're not doing right, you're getting down where he can handle you. Hello? Am I coming home yet? And yes, he knows. The Bible says he seeks whom he may devour. He's not going to fool with you until he gets you where he can handle it. He's a master of observation. He knows spirit positions. And he knows if you still got a little in your spiritual tank, it's not time to try to wrestle them yet. But I'm going to wait till they're down. I'm going to give you a few more days. I'm going to, I'm going to occupy you day and night. The phone's going to ring off the wall. You're going to get so tired that you go to sleep on your knees and, and you don't touch God. And praying that doesn't touch God is not praying. I'm sorry I don't buy that if I'd spend my hour God honors that if you spend an hour punching the wrong button is your boss going to pay you for it I'm telling you if you don't get into the spirit and pray through you're not doing any good go home We're trying to give credit where there is no credit. This is life and death. And Jonah said, I'm the man. And I fear God. That's not the truth. And they said, what in this world? Why are you on this boat? He told them. He said, I have fled from the presence of God. Here is a preacher having to admit, I fled from the presence of God. What is my excuse? What is your reason? These are young people. But are you praying like you ought to? And if you don't get the want to, you won't do it. And if you don't get the want to, you'll drop out. It doesn't matter who the pastor is. I feel like talking to you wives again. I know this is not protocol. I'm taking too much time. But some of you women, I feel the pastor's wife's spirit right now. You have got bitter towards some of the saints because of problems. You better wash it out. You better wash it out. Because what God's doing is stirring your nest along with them. And if you'll, if you'll stir to love, then God's going to send a revival. There's a transforming that's going to happen. And there's going to be hardship. You see, the pastor has to go through the valley with a saint. Hello? If they hurt, we hurt. If they're on top, we're on top. And the story goes on. He said, I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Verse 12. And they tried to stop it. They tried. They tried. They couldn't. He said, they said, what did we do? He said, throw me overboard. I'm the problem. 
God had prepared a fish for Jonah. God had a fish for Jonah. God's got a fish for me. God's got a fish for you. He called you and you're not perfected yet. You don't have the faith yet. You don't have the desire yet. But he's going to put you through a storm. And when he gets through with you, you're going to cry, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Chapter 2, verse 1. And Jonah prayed. That's new, isn't it? Where did he pray? Well, you know, I've got to have... One day I was praying. I said, God, forgive me. I'm spoiled. I'm, I stink with it. I, I stink with this attitude I've got. I remember we used to pray. We'd pray in the woods. Well, I had some great places to pray in the woods when I was a kid. Go out to the old farm with my grandparents. And then we'd pray on the old wood floors. And the first church I pastored didn't have any carpet in the Sunday school and there wasn't no air conditioning. And I'd go in there and I'd lay on the old floor and come out sopping wet. And I loved it. And I tried to pray one day on some dirty floors and I looked down and I had my pants there. I said, I don't like this. And I went to God. I said, God, my attitude's changing. I like carpet. I like carpet. Somebody said, go back to the old times. Let's stay with this. I like it but it's attitudes it's, it's, it's attitudes and Jonah said I, I, I just not much at praying in a fish's belly that's alright we'll wait a few days if you like it I, I, God it's tough God it's tough help me and it's not near as tough as it's going to get because when I get through with you you're going to say yes because you've been you've been observing lying vanities long enough but I'm getting some things out of your attitude and out of your spirit and he said out of the belly out of the, not the belly of the fish that's verse 1 but in verse 2 he said out of the belly of hell cried I that's right at the jaws of death or in death whichever you choose to what is your opinion and he said I cried out of the very uh, out of the very belly of hell and he said you've cast me down in the deep I'm in these billows I'm sinking I'm suffering and he said waters have come past even about my soul I am overcome with this dear God I thought I wanted to do some things we're going to lose our our former priorities and we're going to have a new set of priorities something's going to motivate us hear me if I ever believed I was in the mind of God, I believe I am tonight. I believe there is a shaking coming to the church. That Almighty God is going to shake us. And everything that can be shook will be shook. And everything that can't handle the shaking of the Spirit will fall out by the wayside. But out of it will emerge people strong in faith. Strong in love. Strong in desire. Evangels for the 90s. He said, my soul fainted within me and I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee in thy holy temple. And he said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. I did it so long, so long. I forsook my own mercy. He said, I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. And I will pay that that I have vowed. And at that time, he said, salvation is of the Lord. God, in his awesome wisdom, knew that Jonah 
was the man for Nineveh. Hello? So I had to get him ready to go to Nineveh. Now he's ready. God said, since he's ready, I'll take him out of his problem. And when you get ready to do God's will, and you're going to get a new fervency to evangelize and love people and love one another and love the cause and get wrapped up in this thing with love at its highest dimension, oh, hallelujah. He's going to vomit us right back out into that real world. And we're coming out of that trial crisis. And what happened? He took off running to Nineveh, this great city. Three days journey in circumference, 64 miles around that city. It was larger than Babylon. It was one more great place. The walls of that city were wide enough that the chariots could run three abreast around those high walls. It was an architectural beauty. But here comes this madman from the altar of God. He's not worried about seaweeds and vomit, putrefaction. Hallelujah. And I don't want to preach when you come back next week and Brother Howard has to tell you to go put your white shirt on and your tie back on. I'm not saying that. But he was so stirred up that he forgot about everything. But he hit the street running. He hit the road running. He said, it's revival time yet 40 days. My God, when we get stirred up and we see it and we get away from observing lying vanities and trying to figure out how to do it and we let God get a hold of us and shake 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 us. I prayed this prayer. I honestly did. I don't want to preach a sermon. I want to preach a message. When you drive home, I want you to remember every one of these preachers. And I want you to remember, not Wayne McLean, but remember something that was said. And I want the Holy Ghost to be shaking you. Shaking you. I want the tears to run. I will, God, I will, I will. I will, God, I will, I will. It doesn't matter if you're the fine pastors. I will, I will, I will, I will. Uh, Whatever you want, I will. I want it to drive us home. I want the whip of the Spirit to get on our back. I want the Holy Ghost to drive us back across the United States. Wherever you're pastoring, wherever you're called, wherever you're evangelizing, and all of those little frivolous problems that seem to be mountains are nothing to compare with God bringing and whipping the church around because He loves us. And if there is a witness, it's us. Musicians, come. Because to the church, He delivered the ministry of reconciliation. And if this world is going to be reconciled to God, it has to be through us. One of my great fears, He said... Paul said, you are living epistles seen and read of men. And when the day is gone, did anybody see anything? Was there anything they could read? Did my life emanate him? Or am I, quote, just a preacher who fears God? And the mariners look on with contempt. You don't fear God. 
you're doing your thing and I want to say to this con congregation thank you for being so attentive I see such a beautiful spirit here no God knows where you're at sister and it's not that he's against you but he's trying to get you ready for a bigger task and you're going to have to handle the present task to get to the next phase you say you believe there's any way that Jonah could have missed the fish personally I don't he had a flaw in him that it would take the gates of hell to get out of him he had to get swallowed up with seaweed he had to go through problems that a lot of people would never had to go through but the only way he, that Jonah could make the evangelist God wanted was to the hell's gates and back and I don't mind confessing I've told him Lord I'm not a young man anymore I'm 57 years old I don't know when my day is over but if you're going to give me any time at all equip me to be more effective I want to be real I want the Holy Ghost and its dynamic power to orchestrate out of us and no man gets the credit forget my name and forget the names of the speakers he said if I be lifted up I'll draw all men it's not who we are it's who he is if we can just get him up there if he'll shine out of this church the sick and the afflicted are waiting sin on every hand they're waiting trouble everywhere they're waiting and God is saying hold on world hold on somebody said why in the Lord come back I'll tell you why he hadn't come back the work's not finished and he's waiting on the church and he's trying to whip us into line and get us into the place that we will be the evangelist of the 90s ever head bowed if you can be honest with me tell him I do love you maybe I hadn't proved it but if you'll give me another day I will if you'll give me this night if you'll let me finish this conference I will prove it no Lord you don't have to have the fish I'll come on my own I'll build an altar willingly I'll pray like I've never prayed not because I have to I want to I'm gonna get the want to on my own desire oh God it doesn't take a storm to get me there but will it take a storm or not maybe by God's mercy and grace I can preach a sermon and these men can preach and sermons will be preached tomorrow and it'll bring us to a place in the crisis of this day that we will rise to the point in the time and say yes we will so we fast and pray until the audience stands would you stand with me there's no room for prayer we'll just have to pray standing they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy forsake their own mercy
Quit watching what somebody else is doing. Don't see if you're in step with your brother or sister. Don't see if you're like the neighboring pastor. God's got a walk that is yours. He's got a call that's yours. You're not somebody else. You're your own. You are specially anointed and blessed and called of God. There is talents that vary. Some of you are greater, have a greater talent in the ministry. Some of you have more abilities than others. I cannot match the size of some of the men on this platform. So I'm not trying to. I just want to be what He'll let me be. I want to please Him. Let's lift our hands and tell Him. Let's tell Him. Let's tell Him. Hallelujah. I will not observe lying vanities. But, oh, Lord, I will seek my mercy. I will call upon you early. I will ask you to build inside me the right spirit and create within me that right heart. I've got to be saved. I've got to be saved. Come on, let's cry out to God. Come on, let's cry out to God. Come on, let's cry out to God.